Welcome to Be Positive, Shoot Negative podcast. Today we sit down and talk with Madison Beach for part two of the special. In this episode, we will be talking about the zine, which she just got in and will be sending out very soon, as well as her upcoming projects. So let's hop right in. Hey. Hello. How are you? I'm not too bad. Why can't you see me? There we go. Hello. I'm good. Thank you. I saw that you got your zines like four hours ago. Yes, like the whole day it's just been writing envelopes. How's that been? It's been, it's been really crazy, actually. And I've got to thank you. I've actually had two new orders since your podcast came out. Hey. Even though the pre-order ended, I reopened it for those two people. So, yeah, a big thank you for that. Hey, I'm glad. I'm glad to hear that. Yeah, I had um, like a couple of people reached out um, and asked like, is she still selling? And I was like, I would just message to see. So it might have been them. I don't know. But yeah, I got a few spares just in case that happens. And I'm really glad they reached out. Hey, I'm glad to hear that. Um, so we're talking about your zine. You recently just closed your pre-orders uh, on your zine. How are you feeling about the project going into people's homes? I think today is the first day that it's actually hit me because the zines came a few hours ago. And then literally the whole day has been writing envelopes. And I mean, my handwriting is awful. So I'm taking it really slow because I want them to arrive properly. And I think it's the first day when it's hit me that I'm holding them physically. And they're actually, that's what's going to be going into people's homes. And I mean, I've had loads of orders from like the UK and the US, which is insane. Then also like Puerto Rico, Australia, Japan, India. So like that has just blown my mind that people even in those countries know about me, let alone want to order a zine. It's really weird. Yeah, that's like um, on the podcast, it gives you like stats of like what countries are listening. And I was like, oh, okay, I'm going to get like a few in the United States and that's it. And then I started looking and it's like summer in Italy and Puerto Rico and like the UK. And I'm like, how do people like find this? Yeah, that's what I'm like. I'm like, I, I've barely even heard of these countries. How have you even found me? It's really weird. Yeah, when you started this project, you set a goal of like 20 to 50 people buying the zine. You finished with around 250, um, as well as people like Jason from Granny Days and Vincent Perry Jr. showing their support. What has this support meant to you as an artist? This has been like the best, most surprising aspect of this whole sort of zine production thing. Um, they have always been super supportive of me. Jason from Granny Days was the first person to ever just give me a random shout out um, where I actually started gaining momentum on my channel. So I'll always be super thankful for him. And... In lockdown, I've definitely connected with the community more. And then with this scene, it's kind of just doubled. So that, yeah, I'll always be thankful and very surprised by the support I receive for it. Hopefully they like it. <laughs> I don't want them to regret the support. No, it's, I'm, I can't wait for mine. Um, I'm like really excited about Thank it. Thank you. Uh, the, the zine is a fantastic design and I can't wait to have it in my home. Uh, with it being a personal project, was there any like fears or worries about publishing something personal? I think I probably wouldn't have done this a few years ago. I had a really good tutor when I did my MA, Max Hewton, and she'd done a lecture called The Heart Laid Bear. And it was basically the more you open up and be vulnerable, the more powerful and relatable your work's going to be. And I could definitely make more vulnerable work. But for me, it is personal. London is a very personal thing for me. But I think I'm fine with that. I think the only thing I'm, I feel like it's going to be criticised is my handwriting. My handwriting is awful. 
and actually when I so showed a few people the proofs in a really loving way they're like oh do you want me to you know rewrite the notes for you and <laughs> you can rescan it I was like no I wanted to be real and authentic and these are the notes I wrote at that time or the diary entry I did write so they are all very much my real notes and I apologize if you have a hard time reading it <laughs> was it um like the whole process of like laying it out like I know you like the very like tactile aspect of it how was like how were you feeling when like it was all being laid out and you're like this is like something that's really personal to me and I'm like just putting it out in the world honestly it didn't really hit me because I I genuinely believed only maybe like 20 or maybe max 50 people would buy it half of those would be friends or family who you know I feel very comfortable with so now it's kind of hit me and I'm sending out you know scenes to people who I really respect and admire in the community and it's a bit it is a bit nerve-wracking it's a bit like oh you know I mean they aren't super personal but they are my you know like my diary entry and to think people I only know through the screen are going to be reading that is a really bizarre feeling yeah um you mentioned in part one that your favorite photo in your zine um and it's about and it's also the oldest in your zine uh did you know like five years ago is that you wanted to like publish your art in any capacity or when did the idea of like publishing your work come to mind it was never something quite well I think I probably always wanted to do it but it was never an actual thing I was definitely going to do and then at the beginning of lockdown here in the UK in March I lost my job and so I found a lot of time on my hands to go through my negatives and just sort of reflect on my images. And I've realized that for the last two, two and a half years of making YouTube videos, that's often the end of my images life. Like they end up on Instagram, YouTube, maybe my website, and that's it. And then it kind of made me realize how much I want to create a physical document. So the actual idea for this scene came at the beginning of lockdown. So it's actually, maybe it's been about five months since I decided, right, this is what I'm going to do. Yeah, it's like a completely different feeling when mostly like you just put your work on a screen and then that's like the end of it. And then you start getting like physical copies. Like I started printing my pictures and it's a completely different feeling. And you're just like, wow, that's what that looks like. Right. And it always looks different and you learn so much about the colors, the printing. I would always recommend for people to print their images physically. In your recent YouTube video, uh, you talked about like the last frame and self portraits. Are we expecting a little mini project here with self-portraits? I don't know. It's weird because I, I didn't really think about it. It's just the last frame has been something, well, I don't know. I've been thinking about recently for some reason, about how you always approach it differently. But and then a few people have commented saying, oh, this could be the start of the series. So I haven't given it too much thought, but I do actually have a separate self-portrait series, which I've been doing for the last three years. But I've actually never planned to release that. It's just sort of a personal project. But maybe with what we're talking about being more personal and vulnerable, maybe, maybe not a scene, but maybe I will release those images at some point when I feel brave. Do you have any helpful advice for people who are wanting to publish a zine? I would say definitely go with it. A bit like printing your images. And you don't have to show anyone. You just learn an awful lot. I learned about sequencing, taking on criticism. It was always constructive, but learning to take on criticism, how to pair your images. I think you learn an awful lot about your images and how much your connection with them will actually impact your view on what ones you should select. My curation is not always the best my own images. But I would say if you were going to do it, unless you have a deadline, 
if you want to give yourself two months to do it, take four months. I think take as much time as possible because everything takes way longer than you think. Yeah. Um, so speaking about projects, in part one, you mentioned that you were working on two new projects. Um, can we get a little sneak peek into what you're working on? So the first one is the more sort of practical gear related side of it. So it's going to be a mini series challenge thing. I filmed a few episodes, but because of lockdown here, it's sort of coming back, so we can't film more. So it's basically either just me or me and someone else, and it'll be a thrift shop challenge. So we'll be given three or four shops down one road, and you have a £10 limit, which I think, I don't know, could be wrong, about $13 to buy a film camera. And then we'll yeah. go out and shoot a roll of film, and then whoever gets the best results wins. I mean, it's not competitive. Yeah. Um, so that's that one and it's all about showing you know you don't need to spend loads of money on a film camera to get good results and then the other one is more theory based and it'll be just delving more into my influences and really sort of diving deep so annotating the images and looking at reoccurring themes in their works like with other people's work or like within like your own work too? Within other people's work. So like Vivian Maya, Elliot Erwitt, who we were talking about last time, people who have really influenced me and then maybe looking at a few of my images so you can kind of see that influence. Would you ever be open up to like um, having people send you like their work and then you do that as well? I thought about it, but I, I don't know. It's a really fine line of being... I think I would be too nice at this point. I don't know. Knowing people are going to watch it. If if you're in a private situation, like I've done loads of crits at university and you know what you're getting yourself into and they can be quite harsh. Yeah. So I think if someone had a particular question, you know, should I shoot black and white? Do you prefer my color work? I think I'd be fine with that. But if it was someone sending me this, like, do you like this? I think it's so subjective. I think I would need specific questions to answer. Otherwise, I would just say, yes, I like everything. Yeah. Um, is there, if there was one photographer, uh, if they're with us or with not, um, that you could spend the whole day with, who would you spend the day with and why? I think this is a super interesting question. Um, it kind of surprised me. My mind went straight to Lindsay Adario. I don't know if you know her, a photojournalist. Yeah. Um, who shoots primarily digital and photojournalism works in like war-torn countries. So her work doesn't align with mine at all. But I read her autobiography and I've seen her do a talk and the situation she's been in is just incredible how she gets out of them and then how she still makes these incredibly powerful images. So I think I just want to spend like one day, a week would be too stressful with her, but just one day with her, just seeing how she works. Yeah, I think, and she connects with people on an amazingly human level in these, you know, really awful places. So I think it'll be Lindsay. So you would like want to go out in the field with her and everything, not just like sit down with a cup of coffee or tea? Yeah, no, I, I would want to watch how she approaches situations and how she's, I mean, she's been kidnapped. Her stories are incredible, like insane. So I don't want that side of it. I need to be safe. <laughs> You're like, <laughs> let's go do something be... easy. <laughs> yeah. Let's get like, out I... to the beach. <laughs> yeah, let's not, let's not get kidnapped or anything. <laughs> oh God, I couldn't cope, no. <laughs> So I know you really love the teaching aspect of photography. Uh, do you want to focus more on like the technical part of photography or would you like to do more like photo walks and segments on your YouTube channel? Or can we even see a Professor Beach in the future? 
it's really funny because in the UK you don't really refer to people as professors so it's the first time everyone's ever said professor beach and I kind of like it um <laughs> they just call you by your first name here which is really unspecial <laughs> yeah um I don't know I think it's a really hard balance I want to make videos for me but then also make videos that people want to see so I think I'm going to try and keep it sort of 50 50 with practical and theory side of photography the interaction with my videos and engagement with my videos are definitely different depending on the content I put out and it's very obvious when I look at my stats but I still want to make work that I'm proud of and happy with so I'm thinking sort of still keep 50 50 um, but I definitely want to do more collaborations and connecting with people when we're allowed to it's safe next yeah. year. Yeah. Have you talked with anyone about any like collaborations or anything? Yeah, me and Ribsy, I don't know if you know him. Um did I yeah, I mentioned him in part one yeah. actually. Um he's based in London and we nearly met up and then had to go to work, so that was annoying. Um and I think a lot of remote collaborations are on the card at the moment. Nothing set in stone, but there's a yeah. few things in the works which I'm really excited about. Do you have like a top three that you would like to work with? I mean, it's so obvious, but I'd love to do something with Matt Day. Yeah, every, everyone wants like, to do something. It, it's, with... it's like when you say Mami or Ozzy 67, it's just like the obvious choice, but it's an obvious choice for a reason. Yeah. Um, I really want to do something with Joan Michelle. We've been talking a little bit about doing something. And Karen, um, I found her work not too long ago. She messaged me. Um, she's based in Germany and she's amazing. So I think we could create something really cool. Yeah. Are you ever planning on doing any work like outside of the UK like I know everyone wants to travel but like is there like that is yeah that is my main plan next year is to go traveling um but I think it's really interesting when I did my course my tutor said you have to learn how to make work on your own doorstep you can't have to go traveling and be in new places to create and be stimulated and I think that's definitely something I'm trying to work on is not planning in the future thinking oh I'm going here I could shoot this role or something like that I want to try and come up with more projects on my doorstep. So maybe my next project will be based in Brighton. That's, um, I recently like had this like weird epiphany of like sticking to four cameras, right? I have my two medium formats and my two 35s. So like I have my Canon A1 and I shoot strictly black and white on it. And then I recently got a Rolly 35 and I was like, I got a good deal on it and it was perfect. And I was like, oh my God, and I literally just shot a test roll yesterday and I'm only shooting color with it. And I got a Mamiya 6, not like the good Mamiya 6, like the old 1940s Mamiya. Nice. I, can't, yeah. <laughs> I can't afford it, I wish. Me that's neither, like, I know. <laughs> that's, that's two months rent right there. So, and I'm shooting black and white on that. And then I have my Mamiya 645. Like, what do you think of like, people with that do you have like a certain cameras and stuff that you have for certain situations I've tried to reduce my cameras down a lot because quite often I am overwhelmed by the sheer choice yeah honestly my go-to is my Pentax K1000 I mean it's viewed as you know an entry-level camera into 35mm but for me I'm so used to it I've been shooting it for like 10 years now and I just know it like the back of my hand and I'm fully comfortable with it um if I'm going to just do some point and shoot sort of work, it would be the Olympus Mu 2, even though I do feel like it's completely overrated, um, but it does do the job. And then my friend has a Mamiya RC67, which I use whenever I'm doing 
any you, medium format work. You have a TLR, right? Um, yeah. How do you like, which kind do you have? I've got a Yashica. I always say this wrong, 635. I always say 365, but it's not have, the days of the year. Have you um, ran a roll of 35 through it? Because I know it can yeah. do both, right? Yeah. How I was... did it once and it's incredibly temperamental. I know, I did it three times, two and a half, three times, and only one roll came out. Oh. Um, it came out really good, but I can't be wasting like two rolls every time I want to do it. So, yeah, recently I've had a really bad habit of just getting a lot of rolls of film. I like look, I counted yesterday. I think I have like 80 rolls. Oh my yeah. God. I envy yeah. you. <laughs> yeah, I know. But I like, I started developing my own film. So like, instead of, I like develop and scan all at home and I started finding out like instead of spending like $20 to get it developed and scanned, I'm like, okay, cool. I can go buy two more rolls. Right. Yeah. And now I got like here, I have like this little mini fridge. See, so that's full. <laughs> Is that all film? Yeah, that's all film. <laughs> that's amazing. But, but okay. So my girlfriend was like, you can't put film in the fridge, right? In our main fridge. And what ended up happening is, is I brought a, a brick of Ilford and I like snuck it back in there and she was like what is that and I'm like oh, I'm putting film in the fridge now so it's like overflowing I need to start shooting a little bit more that's but, amazing just buy your own fridge <laughs> yeah oh my I I saw that uh I forgot where I saw it but someone had it's designed for like holding like uh cosmetics like that's supposed to be like cold and I was like oh I could put film in that so it's like stuffed up to the it's like so stuffed right now I might follow my lead. All my housemates are getting quite annoyed. Like the fruit drawer is just film. Like, yeah. <laughs> uh, do you know uh, Photo Dom? Uh, he, I don't think so. So he just recently opened up a uh, camera shop in Brooklyn. And he has this uh, like sticker that says, fridge is not for food storage, it's for film. No, that's and what I'll, I need to get. <laughs> <laughs> it's really, yeah. It's I was like, uh, should I get it? But like... <laughs> I don't think that's a good idea. <laughs> I'm not sure how well that will go down with your girlfriend. <laughs> yeah. Well, um, do you watch a uh, shoot film like a boss? I know he's in UK. Yeah. So he, that's kind of like where I got the idea of like having certain cameras for certain situations. Like he's, I know he only shoots black and white, but um, like, have you seen like what he's been able to do with like a Holger camera? <laughs> it's insane. Like, yeah. I wish I, I could have got that. I had one and I was like, mm, I, I wish. <laughs> I've never shot one and I'd, I don't know if I want to. <laughs> uh, honestly, like, shoot one, definitely. Yeah. Just get, like, go on eBay, get a used one. Don't, like, drop the $50 on a new one. And, yeah, that's the like, problem. It's the price. Every time I go to buy one, I'm like, oh, I can't justify it. Yeah, like, $50 is like, you can save up a little bit more and get a actual camera you can control yeah like not a good one but a good one yeah <laughs> yeah so, so definitely like get one of those um the it's fun because some of them have like color flashes and you could like um with your black and white you could like change the color of oh, the nice. flash so it's kind of fun but i i got rid of mine because i was like i have a mummy i got a, the mumia and i was like and i'd rather shoot that than the whole yeah. thing yeah and then you watch the video and you went, oh. <laughs> I, I ran like four rolls of Ilford and I got like one picture I liked out of Yeah. And I was like, ah. 
don't want to justify. So I recently got rid of that, but I'm like, eh. Yeah, I think I think you've got to be a bit brutal sometimes. Like I'm so sentimental when I just keep hold of everything, and now I'm trying to cut my cameras down because it's just getting ridiculous. Yeah, like well, the thing is, is like with me, I like keep track of like what pictures I like, and like I do it like a little ratio thing. And I'm like, if this film stock is below this certain rate, I'm never getting it again. I like but what's your ratio? Like me, so right, like my average is 19% of the photos I like, but like I don't post all 19%. Like I'm like, okay, this is something I would go back and be like, okay, that was a good yeah. picture. So like if any stock ever like drops below 19%, I'm like, all right, I can't get you again. I love that's such an analytical way to look at it, but it actually kind of makes sense. Uh, I really want to thank you so much for coming on for part two and um, congratulations. Awesome. Thank you for having me. Yeah, congratulations on your zine. Um, how much did you, you over 250, right? Yeah, now, now with your help, like 252. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> Maybe with this one, 254, who knows? Hey. So, yeah, well, if you guys want another, if you want to purchase one, definitely have Yeah, just hit. reach out to me. Yeah. Brilliant. Thank you so much, Joey. I personally want to thank Madison for doing this special two-part episode with me. Uh, Madison's new zine is something everyone should have in their home, and I am personally really looking forward to it. Madison is a great person and an even better photographer. So please go check out her YouTube and her Instagram, and don't forget to also stop by her website. Thank you for listening, and stay safe out there.